you know, when we think about Christmas, we, we, we wonder what, I wonder what does Christmas mean to you? Because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we, we tend to uh, measure everything by our own personal experience. And, um, but Christmas is not the same for everyone. I mean, for a lot of people, it's just a celebration. You know, they're going out to parties and unfortunately, they're not giving Jesus any consideration whatsoever. It's just a time to party and to celebrate. You know, but it's also a time for dinners and, and cantatas, and we had like our Christmas play today, and I thought that was really, that was really different. They're wanting to shoot Santa Claus's reindeer, okay? Hey, it's not a bad idea. They're all lined up in a row. <laughs> but for some of you, it's a time just to be with family, you know. For some people, they had abusive parents, abusive guardians. I know a story of a young boy. He grew up one of ten children. He didn't have a lot of money. They grew up on a farm, and he played with a broken toy gun all year long. And that year at Christmas, he got up on Christmas morning, and they had wrapped up his toy gun that he had played with all year and put it under the Christmas tree. His parents were alcoholics. They had enough money for their booze and their eggnog and all that, but they didn't have money to buy that child a gift. And uh, Christmas was really special to him because of that. He would work a second job, third job if he had to, to make sure his children had a good Christmas. That man was my father. Some people are very poor. Christmas is not a time of having a lot of things, you know. I, I remember a pastor friend of mine, he went to see a family who was very poor. And he was asking the little boy, because he had asked him about Santa Claus. We didn't teach our children about Santa Claus. That's personal conviction. But he, he asked the little boy, said, what's Santa Claus going to bring? And this boy started rattling off all the things that Santa Claus was going to bring him. And his older brother, probably 10 years old, going on 30, he looked at him and says, Mr. Santa Claus don't bring us nothing. Really broke his heart, you know. A lot of people are lonely this time of the year. They're by themselves. Maybe they've lost a loved one, or maybe they just don't have any family around. A lot of times um, we try to be sensitive to that, Jeannie and I. We try to reach out to people that maybe don't have family around during the holidays and because it can be a lonely time of the year. The suicide level goes up at Christmas. I don't know if you guys knew that or not because not everybody is happy at Christmas. People have suffered tragedy and Christmas is the time to remind them that maybe they're celebrating the first holiday without a loved one that they've lost, you know. So it's a sad time of the year. But generally speaking, Christmas is the time of generosity, the season of cheer and, and, and gift giving. Uh, I remember this story of this lady. She went into a department store and the, uh, a young man was at the layaway. How many of you know what? Do they still do layaway? I guess they still do that. Jeannie and I used to take advantage of that every year. We would put our toys on layaway. We would chip away at it, and then we'd go get it out just before Christmas because we didn't have a whole lot of money either. And this lady was there, and this young man told the lady behind the counter, said, you're just going to put it back so I don't have the money to get it out. But this lady walked up and says, I'm going to pay for his layaway. And she went on to pay for 50 more layaways that day. And the news of that spread, and across the nation, people started going and paying for children's toys that were in layaway. It's time of generosity, passing it, paying it forward, people you don't even know. 
You know, I had a pastor friend one time ask me, he said, I want to help people out at Christmas, but there's people that take advantage of churches and stuff. I said, how do you know? I said, I'll tell you how you know. You go to Walmart and you look for that guy two, three days before Christmas, and he's walking around with his old dirty clothes on, his work boots on, he's got a worried look on his face, trying to pick out toys for his kids. You go pay for his kids. That's how you find people that deserve it. He's doing all he can do, and it's not enough. But at Christmas time, God gave us the greatest gift. And that's what Christmas really is all about. Charlie Brown had to learn that from Linus. Does anybody really know what Christmas is all about? He says, I know what it's about, Charlie Brown. And he starts telling the Christmas story. Because God gave us the greatest gift. When God put us in the garden, his intention was to have fellowship with you and I. The Bible says God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and truth. He would come down in the cool of the evening and he would walk with, with Adam and we'd talk with him. And he came after Adam had sinned. He said, Adam, where are you? Can you imagine the heartbreak of God when he's separated from the, his, his creation? Because his intention was to have relationship and fellowship with his creation. But you see, God is omniscient. That means he knows the end from the beginning. He knew before he ever even created the angels what would happen. He knew Lucifer would rise up. He knew the angels would rebel. He knew that when he created man, man would sin, and man would be separated from God. And so he had to make a way to redeem his creation. And in Genesis chapter 3:15, God is pronouncing a curse on the serpent because he comes into the garden. He said, he said, Adam, where are you? He said, I hid myself for I'm naked. He said, who told you that you're naked? Have you eaten of the tree? He said, well, the woman gave it to me and I did eat. He said, woman, what is this thing that you've done? She said, well, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And God cursed man. He said, you'll, you'll earn your living by the sweat of your brow. Cursed the woman, said, you will have travail and childbearing. He cursed the earth, said, it will no longer bring forth its abundance, but it will bring forth thorns and thistles. And then he cursed the serpent, and he said, You'll be the lowest creature of the earth. On your belly shall you crawl, and the dust of the earth shall you eat all the days of your life. And then in verse 15, he says, For God, I'm sorry, Genesis 3.15, he said, For I have put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, but thou shall bruise, he shall bruise you, 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 you shall bruise his heel. What that is talking about is God is pronouncing a prophecy that there is one that is coming that's not born of the seed of man. He didn't say, I'll put enmity between you and the man and between your seed and his seed, but I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between you and her seed. God is looking through history at a virgin girl named Mary who will bring forth a child who will crush the head of the serpent. I believe he spoke that prophetically, metaphorically, and literally. I don't think it is by coincidence that David killed Goliath, who was the seed of the serpent, cut his head off, took it to Jerusalem, and buried it there. Yeah. It's a personal conviction. You can't prove this is wrong. I can't prove that it's right. But I believe that Golgotha was called the place of the skull for that reason. I believe literally when Jesus hung on the cross, he literally crushed the head of the seed of the serpent. And again, I, I can't prove that's true, but you can't prove it's not. So that's my belief, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. 
God also brought man into being by the words of his mouth. He said to the host of heaven, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. And so he created man. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the triune being of himself because the Bible says that God made man in his own image and in his own likeness. So God is speaking to himself. We're going to make man in our own image, my own likeness. He spoke the second Adam into existence the same way. Jesus was called the second Adam, and he did it through his words, through the words of his prophets. 1,400 years before Jesus was born, Jacob is speaking a blessing over his 12 sons, over Gideon and, and Simeon and all these guys. Simeon, I'm not Gideon. Simeon, and when he got to Judah, he said this in Genesis 49:10, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the, the ruler's staff from between his feet, until you've come to whom it belongs, the obedience of the nations to his. He's speaking that Jesus would be of the tribe of Judah. And there's many prophecies throughout Scripture that the prophets foretold about Jesus. And the, one of the most amazing things about the Old Testament is that Jesus fulfilled each and every one of those prophecies yeah. in minute detail. Yes. In Micah, 500, uh, 750 years before Jesus was born, chapter 5, verse 2 says, And behold, Beth, uh, said to you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come to me the one who will rule over Israel. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born in Isaiah 7:14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and we will call his name Emmanuel. Yeah. Emmanuel means God is with us. It doesn't mean a God is with us. It means the, capital G-O-D, is with us. Isaiah also prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Then we had 400 years of silence. 400 years no prophets said anything. And then Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, was a priest, and he went into the temple, and the angel visited him and said, Elizabeth is with child. And she would give birth to John the Baptist, who would come in the spirit of Elisha. And the Bible said that he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He would go into the wilderness crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And because Zechariah didn't believe him, he was struck mute and couldn't speak until the day that John was born. And when they asked, what will his name be? Elizabeth said his name will be John. And they asked him, nobody in your family is named John. Why would you name him John? And they brought a tablet to Zechariah, and he wrote, said, His name shall be John. And God touched his tongue and opened his mouth, and he began to prophesy. And then in Luke chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. 
And this taxing was first made when Serenus was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judah into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And because there was no, because there was no room for them in the inn, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which come, has come to pass which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they, they made known abroad the saying which was told concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them of the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. John 1, 14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory, the glory even of the begotten of the Father. He's full of grace and truth. You know, I can't imagine what that would be like to be steading in the field watching your sheep, and an angel appears and says that to you. But you know the, the highlight of that? I have never heard something like the Mormon tabernacle, tabernacle choir or a, a huge choir like that. But, brother, I'm going to tell you right now, none of them have anything on what those shepherds heard that night as the whole host of heaven began to sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. You see, that's what Christmas really should mean to all of us. But there's so many people that has never heard that story. The reason I didn't really preach a sermon today, I just wanted to sit down and just tell you the simple Christmas story. Because there's a lot of people, there's people listening to us around the world today that's maybe never heard that story. I'm going to close with this. This is a true story. This happened in 1994. A missionary, an American missionary told this story. It said, in 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from a Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics. Are you listening to me? I think our Board of Education could take some lessons from Russia, amen? They wanted them to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in their public schools. They were invited to teach in prisons, businesses, 
fire and police departments, and a large orphanage. About 100 boys and girls who had been abandoned, abused, and left in the care of the government ran program were in this orphanage. They related the following stories in their own words. It was nearing the holiday season in 1994, time for our orphans to hear for the very first time the traditional story of Christmas. We told them about Mary and Joseph arising in Bethlehem. Finding no room at the inn, the couple went to a stable where the baby Jesus was born and placed in a manger. Throughout the story, the children of the orphanage staff sat in amazement as they listened. Some sat on the edge of their stools, trying to grasp every word. Completing the story, we gave the children three small pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each child was given a small paper square cut from yellow napkins that I had brought with me. No colored paper was available in the city. Following instructions, the children tore the paper and carefully laid strips in the manger for their straw. Small squares of flannel cut from a worn-out nightgown an American lady was throwing away as she left Russia were used for the baby's blanket. A doll-like baby was cut from a tan felt we had brought from the United States. The orphans were busy assembling their manger as I walked among them to see if they needed any help. All went... <laughs> All went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was staring to see, I was startled to see that not one but two babies were in the manger. Quickly I called for a translator and asked the lady, why were there two babies in this manger? Crossing his arms in front of him and looking at this completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story very seriously. For such a young boy who had only heard the Christmas story once, he related the happenings accurately until he came to the part where Mary had put baby Jesus in the manger. Then Misha started to ad lib. He made up his own ending to the story. As he said, quote, and when Mariah laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked if I had a place to stay. I told him I had no mama. I had no papa. I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me, that I could stay with him. But I told him that I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give to him like all the other children gave him, or like everybody else did. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, so I thought about what I had that maybe I could use for a gift. I thought maybe if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus if, Jesus if I could keep him warm. Will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger, 
And then Jesus looked at me, and he told me I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes breamed full of tears and splashed down his little cheeks. Putting his head on his face, hands on his face, his head dropped to the table, and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. The little orphan had found someone who would never abandon him. Never abuse him. Someone who would stay with him for always. I've learned that it's not what you have in your life, but who you have in your life that matters. Church, Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of people. But what it means most of all is it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what's happened to you. Jesus came so that we could be restored back to the place we once held with him in the garden. God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, who will have a relationship with him. And Jesus Christ came so that he can be with us and we can be with him for always. Amen? And that's the Christmas story, and that's what it should mean to everyone. If you're lonely today, Jesus is a friend. He said that he's closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're poor, the Bible says, my God shall supply all of my needs through his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. You just have to trust him. God says, I came to do you good and not evil all the days of your life. God means us. He means good for us. That doesn't mean we're never going to go through anything. I, I am sitting in the bed with my wife in excruciating pain, crying out to God to touch her for four solid days, and nothing happened. All you can do is say, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. And we, we should trust him, even unto death. Amen? If you're sad, he gives you joy and peace. And if you've got bad memories about Christmas, create new ones. All right, let's look outside of ourselves. I was listening to Jensen Franklin this morning as I was getting ready, and he was talking about a Christmas year that they had an elf on the shelf. I don't remember that. Do you all remember an elf on the shelf? Thank you. And he preached a sermon and said, we need to put self on the shelf. I encourage you to pull that up, Jensen Franklin's message on Christmas message, putting self on the shelf. If you've had sad memories, let's put ourselves on the, because it's not about us, huh? It's about Jesus, about other people. I have found one of the most rewarding things in life is when you do something for somebody else. Amen? So why don't you stand with us and let's, let's, uh, in the service today by just singing praises to God. We're going to get out here really early this morning. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time together. I pray for everyone, Lord, that's heard this message around the world, God. May they know, Jesus, you came to have a relationship with your creation. You came to make a way 
for us to know God again. When Adam sinned in the garden, Lord, there was such a gap between you and us that nothing we could do could span that gap. But when Jesus came, when he died on the cross, when he went into the tomb, when he rose from the dead, and when he went victoriously into the heavens, he made that way. He spanned that gap so that we can know you again. So, Lord, I pray that every person that hears the sound of my voice will understand if they will just simply cry out to you, God. The Bible says if we repent, that means we turn from our sin and turn to you. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead, God, that we shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. May every person today cry out to you and say, God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be like Adam, walking with you in the cool of the evening walking with you and talking with you so i pray that jesus would touch hearts and lives all across the nation and across this world today as we remember when he came and the silence was broken jesus name amen
case I haven't told you lately, I love you guys. We sure did miss you. It's good to be back. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Father, we thank you for our time here, Lord. God, I pray a blessing over CVAG, Lord, and every family that's represented, God. God, you are faithful. You are faithful, Lord, and we trust you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for those this morning, God, that may be really struggling, Lord, financially, physically, emotionally, psychologically. You are the great physician, God. You are our provider, Lord. God, you meet every need, I pray, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, you said the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And we've seen that happen again and again and again and again, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you are so faithful. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I speak a blessing over every home, Lord, that is represented here today, God. Bless their home, Father. Make it a refuge, God, an escape from the world and worldly things, Lord. God, may you strengthen the family today, husbands and their wives, God. Lord, help them to just fall in love with each other all over again, Lord. Like when they first met, God, when they were courting each other, and they would go out of their way, Lord, to try to please one another. Strengthen the relationship between parents and their children, Lord. God, if there's some kind of division between parents and children, Lord, during this Christmas season, God, I bring, pray you just bring healing to that relationship, God. Heal it, God. I ask you in Jesus' name, heal it, God. And Lord, if there are siblings, Father, that are not getting along, God, whatever the problem might be, Lord, it doesn't matter, God. Help them, Father, to be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as you, for Christ's sake, hast forgiven us, God, and helped him to rebuild the relationship, God. There's their brothers and sisters, God. Help them to love each other, Lord. Yes. And then parents to, and children, Lord, to be obedient to their parents now. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I speak a special blessing over those who are walking alone today, God, and they're seeking that person, God, that special one that you have for them, God. Young men looking for their wife. Young women looking for their husband. God met their paths may cross, Lord, and they find one another. Those who are happy just living single, Lord, be their, be their mate, God. Be their comforter, their joy, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Merry Christmas.